So how y'all doing today? All right, y'all ready for the word? All right, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> okay. So before I read the scriptures, I want to just say what Pastor Crump told us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. We already know it. Don't worry about what? Anything. Pray about. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he has done. Amen, amen. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Amen. Had to say that first of all. So we're going to be going from, I would turn our reading, it's going to take from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to do verse 17 through verse 21 in the King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 21. When you dare, say amen. amen. All right. So verse 17 said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him so let's pray so father in the name of Jesus Lord as we come today Lord we just come thanking you for your grace your mercy and your love and we thank you for the Holy Spirit and we thank you for the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We thank you, Father, for those that are here to hear your words, but not only to hear, but also to receive. And we ask it all through your blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So today's teaching is going to be coming from second. You, can, you may be seated. So today's teaching will be coming from Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. And it goes. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So I want you to say with me the ministry of reconciliation. So let me tell you what the ministry of reconciliation is. It's preaching the restoration of God's grace. The ministry of, record of re reconciliation, you are declaring what God has done by the blood of Christ, by the death of Christ, and by the resurrection of Christ. You're also declaring 
how God reconciled us or restored us to himself. You're also declaring to the people to be reconciled unto God. And he is not angry with you, nor is he counting your transgressions or your sins against you. As a matter of fact, he has forgiven them forever. Amen. Say forever. <laughs> and then it's declaring what uh, God has restored his grace, which is his favor, his kindness, his love, and all of his blessings to you. And you know what? At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you, will you receive that? Because that's all we have to do. Christ died on the cross for our sins. God raised him from the dead so that we could be made righteous or justified. And guess what? All you have to do is receive it. Now, Christ saved all men at the cross. God has already finished his work. So when we say, well, I'm going to get saved today. No, you got saved 2,000 years ago. Now, you may have received it today. And that's what we want, because God wants all men to be saved. But all men got to do now is receive it, because the work has already been done. You've already been reconciled, whether you have received it or not. And sometimes we haven't received it because you haven't heard the truth yet. Sometimes people say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to play with God. I'm not going there, because I know I'm not living right. God is not concerned about your living right. He's not concerned about your so-called sin. Because sin has already been dealt with at the cross. So what you may be going on in your life now is the works of the flesh. But I want you to understand there is nothing that you have done or are doing that's too bad for God. God is calling you to come back to him. And guess what? It's already done. But in calling you back, he wants to bless you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The ministry of reconciliation. Because knowing that God has already forgiven us, knowing that God has already reconciled us to himself, and now he tells us to go and reconcile others unto him. Because, see, the gospel may be here to some. Some maybe never heard it. Some maybe heard some lies about it. Some said, don't believe that. that that's too good to be true. No, it's already finished. It's already done. Christ will not go back to the cross and die again. When God finishes work, he sat down. And guess what? That's all you got to do now is just believe. When you hear the gospel preach, you believe it, and then you receive it. And then you can receive everything, all of the blessings, all of the benefits, everything that Christ has done for you through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So I just want to know, do you want to receive it? <laughs> Glory to God. All right, so there are some other things I hope that I can get to today because I want to share with you also is that when you are reconciled, that God restores you to friendship. He restores you to harmony with God. But then he also wants you to be restored to your brothers. Then the next thing I want you to know that reconcile also means to change. It means to turn completely. And then I want to show you that it also means to settle and to resolve all differences. And last of all, I want you to understand, it means to accept and submit to something 
that is unpleasant. And like I said, I'm going to ask you, will you receive it? So let's get going. All right. So I was going to start at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, but hopefully I'm going to save that for a little bit later. And when I do, I will start with 2 Corinthians 5.14. So I'm going to start at 2 Corinthians 5.18. And it says, and all things are of God. Now the all things that are of God, the Bible says that in Ephesians 1.10, the all things is that he said that in the, dis, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, God might gather together in one all the things that are in Christ, both that are in heaven and both that are on the earth, even in him. Well, we know he got to be talking about people, right? The ones that are already gone on and the ones that are still here. That was 2,000 years ago, all right? Because we're already in Christ. Say so we, we are in Christ right now. All right. So then in Romans chapter 10, because we're talking about uh, God reconciled us, I mean, he restored us. He brought us back to himself and he did it by Jesus Christ. So in Romans chapter five and verse 10, it said, for if when we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And much more being reconciled or restored, we should be saved by his life. So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, it said, And having made peace through the blood, let me read that again, looking at the wrong one. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, whether they be things in heaven or things in earth. I said the other way. So how did God reconcile man to himself? Even when he was alienated from God. Even when he didn't want to hear about God. He did it by the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. How did he reconcile him? By the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is how God reconciled man unto himself. And you know, when you read in John 3, 16, it said, for God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his son. So God already knew that he wanted man to be with him. And I'm going to show you back like we read this morning in Exodus, God wanted to be with his people. So that's why he said in Exodus 25 and 8, he said, let them build me a sanctuary. Why? Because he wanted to dwell with them. But guess what? In Christ, we found out that we are the temple, the sanctuary. And so now he dwells in us. So that was the whole point. Because back then, he couldn't live in them because of sin. Because Christ had not come. All right. So then the next thing it says in Colossians chapter 1 and 21. It said, and you who were sometimes you were alienated and you were enemies in your own mind by wicked works. That didn't bother him. He said, yet now has he reconciled. And so you may be thinking, well, you don't know what, where, where I'm at right now. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what kind of relationships I'm in. You don't know any of that. 
so I'm not going to play with God. Well, he don't want you to play with him. He just wants you to receive what he's already done. He's not looking at your sin or your works of the flesh. He's not looking at that. He's looking at he want to be with you. And he want you to be with him. Because his son already paid the price. And that price was precious. It was with his blood. And so God wants you to come back to him. And the only thing you got to do, you don't have to do any works. Ain't no works involved in this. All you got to do is receive what he's already done. And you know, sometimes people say, well, that's really hard. How are we just going to just believe that Christ died on the cross and was buried and raised from the dead and that's it? And then God make us his children? Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's already done that. You just haven't made your decision yet. And so he wants you today. Don't be on the fence. Well, I don't know. Because see, what if I go back? Well, guess what? Why don't you just receive it? Why don't you just receive it? Because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. When you believe it, you're not going to go back. You're not going to go back because the Holy Ghost now keeps you. Come on, say the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. keeps us. Jesus. All right. So then in verse 22, Colossians 1, and this is awesome. He said, and he did it. Remember, uh, he reconciled us in the body of his flesh. Talking about Christ. In the, through death. To present you unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. In other words, Christ died on the cross so that, guess what? We could be in the presence of God without a single fault. Without a single fault. He died so that we could be in the presence of God. We can stand righteous, we can stand justified without a single fault. So you know what? When you're in Christ, you're not under law, you're not in sin, you're not in the flesh, but then you're in the spirit. All right. So now in John chapter 14 and verse 6, because remember, he reconciled us back by Jesus Christ. So John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man come to the Father but by me. You're not going to get there by trying to do works of, of the law, works of righteousness. It's not going to come that way. The only way that we're able, and we can now, come to the Father, Jesus said it was by me. So in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24, he said, for Christ is entered into the holy place made. No, he is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which is a figure of the true. But he is entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on your behalf. Christ entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Hebrews 9:12 says, "It's neither by the blood of goats and calves, but it's by his own blood that he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us." 
That's eternal forgiveness. When Christ went into the presence of God to offer up his blood, guess what? God said, there's no more sin in your life. No more sin. You've already been forgiven eternally. But, I mean, didn't I mess up? You already forgiven. Look at somebody and say, you already forgiven. Do you know that? So when you know that you're already forgiven, you got no problems coming to the Lord. You got absolutely no problem. So look at somebody and say, now, do you have any problems? You ain't got no problems. All you got to do is make the decision and say, yes, I believe and I receive it. Glory to God. So then in um, John chapter 20, so what happened? When did Christ enter into heaven itself and obtain eternal redemption for us forever? I'm glad you asked me that. So in John chapter 20, verse 17, remember when uh, Christ had been laid in the tomb and then Mary went to the tomb and, and when she went in, she saw two angels and she said, so where have you laid him? And then uh, after that, she went on the outside and she thought she saw the gardener. And she said, tell me where have you laid him and I will go and get him. But then when she turned around, she said, oh, Rabboni. And guess what? What did he tell Mary? He said, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father to my God and to your God. That's when Jesus had to go and present himself before the Father on our behalf. Well, that's good news, right? So what, Mary couldn't touch him then. But guess what? After he went in and offered the blood, because the blood had to be offered, as Pastor told us today, the blood had to be sprinkled before and upon the mercy seat. So when Christ went into heaven itself, he presented his own blood on our behalf. And that's when he did it. That's when he did it. So that means it's been 2,000 years ago. That's not something that he's doing today. Come on, say that was over 2,000 years ago. So if he presented his blood before the Father, guess what? Everything is already forgiven. We got to learn how to live the grace life. You got to learn how to live forgiven. Learn how to live forgiven. Because you know you're going to always have somebody say, well, you know you did this. Uh-uh. I'm forgiven forever. Come on, can anybody get bold and say that? I am forgiven forever. And I live the grace life. And so you know what Romans 8 the one said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So when you have accepted it, guess what? Now you are in Christ Jesus. You are in life. You are in the spirit. You are not in the flesh. Okay, so let's go a little bit further. And then in verse 18, it says, no, one more verse. It said Jesus was the mediator between God and man. That's 1 Timothy 2 and 5. It says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So we go down to the next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 18. It said, and all things are of God, 
who has reconciled us. The word reconciled means restored. Who has restored us to himself by Jesus Christ. And now he has given us, he was talking to the Apostle Paul and to the ministers of the gospel. Has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So when you know that you're already forgiven, now God gives you the assignment, you go and reconcile others to. Well, how are you going to reconcile others? You got to go declare to them what God has already done. You got to already tell them God is not angry with you. He has already forgiven you. He's already gave his son to die on the cross for you. That's what we have to declare. That's the ministry of reconciliation, restoring men unto God himself. And so it's to bring men back to God by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in Acts chapter 26, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, now none of these things move me, neither can all my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. The ministry of reconciliation is the gospel of the grace of God. It's all about what God has already done. So Paul said, I received that of God, of the Lord, and, but I am to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so this is what he did in, in Acts chapter 26 and verse 14, because he said he received that to go and testify what God had already done. So in Acts 26, 14 through verse 18. So it said, and when all the men were fallen, this is when Paul was on the road to Damascus and the light shined from heaven and God began to speak to him saying, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, and when all of us were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. But arise, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto you, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. And this is what he was supposed to to tell them. And this is what we're supposed to tell people too. The gospel of Christ is to open their eyes. You know, because the Bible said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 3, it said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, lest they should believe, because they believe not, but when that gospel is shining upon them, then guess what? They can receive what God has done already done for them. They can be openly, freely come and receive their salvation. Come and receive their life, their new life, the life that's in Christ. So then he said, open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God 
that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance. Now, everybody loves an inheritance, and they're going to receive an inheritance among all them which are sanctified by faith that's in me. Because we know in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talked about how the mystery was hidden from ages and from generation, how God had the Gentiles on his mind, and he had a blessing for them. And he was not going to look at them any less than he looked at the Jews. As a matter of fact, he restored them together again. All right. So now in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, because we're talking about the ministry, what you do. So in Acts 20, 32, he said, Paul, now this is Paul had talked to the other. He said, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So when you preach the gospel of grace, it's able to build you up. And it's also able to give you your inheritance. Because one of the things that the Bible said is that as we look into the word of God, we are changed from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. We are changed that's the power of the gospel. It's the power of God to change men, to change their minds. It changes your thoughts. That's the power of God. All right. So the next thing it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, it said, and then, now then we are. So once you know that he's already reconciled you, now Paul is saying, now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled, be restored unto God. Return back to God. You know why? Because in 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, For Christ has also suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit. So I want to read to you this out of the NLT, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, out of the NLT. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So he said, we're ambassadors. So when we, when we speak, we're speaking for Christ and we're saying, please come back to God. He has everything already prepared for you. And so, you know what? I want to give this example. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse 15 to verse 24, Luke chapter 14. Because, see, when you, when you make a plea, you got to compel people. you got to persuade them to come. And you may say, well, you know, I, I don't want to do all, I don't want to be all in people's business. Oh, yeah. If you know you've been reconciled and you know you receive all of the blessings of God, you don't want to tell somebody else? You know, they may be a little hard-headed, but, hey, if you get the opportunity and the Holy Ghost said, go do it, are you going to do it? Or are you going to say, I ain't going to bother them? No, 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 no. Don't you want others to be free like you are? Yeah. You don't want to keep that hidden. 
He didn't keep it hidden from you. All right. So in, in uh, Luke chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 15 through verse 24. So in this, there, this is the parable of the great supper. It said, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto them, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, a certain man, this is Jesus talking. He said, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many people. And he sent his servants, his ministers, at the supper time to say unto them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And when you're preaching, that's what you're telling them. Everything has already been done. God has already finished everything. The table's already set. All you got to do is receive it. You can eat to the full. You can drink to the full. Now, I ain't talking about alcohol. Y'all know that, right? Okay. All right. Drink of his spirit to the full. All right. So he said, all things are now ready. And they, and they all with one consent. They don't want to come. They ain't got time. So they all said, with one consent, the first said, no, they all make, began to make excuse. So the first said, well, I bought a piece of ground, and you know I must go need and see it. Pray, I pray you, just have me excused. And another one said, well, you know I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I got to go and prove them. And he said, pray thee, have me excused. And another said, well, you know I married a wife and brethren, and therefore... I cannot come because you know she's not going to let me go. You already know that I just married her. Okay. So the servant came and he showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, <clears throat> said to his servants, well, go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor. Well, who is the gospel who we preach to? The poor. So he said, go out and bring hither the poor, bring in the maimed, bring in the halt, and bring in the blind. And the servant said, well, Lord, it's done as you have commanded. And guess what? There's still room. And then the Lord said unto him, go out into the highways and to the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You know why? They didn't have time. We don't want to hear about that. I mean, I mean what are you talking about? Somebody, man died? Well, so what? People die all the time. Uh, somebody was on the cross? Well, I mean, during that time, they were dying on the cross. But he said, I'm making a supper. God wants his house filled. He wants you to be reconciled to him because of the blessing and things that he got. He want to bless you. And you don't have time? Ask somebody, say, do you have time? So if you got time, we don't make excuses. He wants to bless them. When he said all things was ready, everything I have done, everything I have already prepared for you, even life itself, eternal life, and you got excuse, you don't have time, when you hear the gospel, oh, let me turn to another station. What you're saying, I ain't got time for that. 
I'm asking you the question, do you have time to receive what God has already prepared for you? Do you have time? Now, I'm going to say it one more time because I know that when people say things and they say it more than once or twice, you hear it again. And if it's speaking to you, you're going to hear it again. I remember my brother, Frankie, who was in the service. And uh, I had talked to him while he was there. And I was just, you know, praying with him and telling him some things. This has been quite a while ago. So he told me that they were about to be ambushed. And he said, and just before I stepped, I heard your voice. He said, you were talking to me. I said, I was. <laughs> and because he said that, he said, you know what? We weren't killed. <laughs> but how many know when you are praying for people, they may be in danger or danger may be all around them, but because you are praying for them, God honors your prayers. Because we want people to be safe. We want people to have salvation. We want people to return to the Lord. God said his will is that all men be saved. Well, Christ has already did everything for men to be saved. So why are they not saved? Either they have not heard the gospel or because they have rejected the gospel. Come on, say God wants all men to be saved. All right. So then in, we're going to look at Acts 13, 44. And this is what the Apostle Paul said to the Jews that didn't have time. They rejected it. They didn't want what he was talking about. We don't want to hear nothing about no grace. We just want to continue to do the law, do the works. So in Acts chapter 13, verse 44 and verse 49. Acts chapter 13. So in the next Sabbath day, no, let me, let me, let me uh, go back and do verse 43 first. Hmm, might as well do 42, okay? All right, <laughs> so Acts 13, 42. And it said, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath day. Now, what he said and verse 41 to them, verse 40, he said, Ah, oh, y'all, let me just go to 39. I'm sorry. Okay. So in verse 39, you know what? I got to do verse 38. I'm sorry. I know I'm already forgiven because y'all love me. All right. Okay. So, so verse 38, he said, Be it known unto you, therefore, uh, men and brethren, that through this man... Is preach unto you the forgiveness of sin. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. He said, behold, you despisers, you wonders and perish. For I work a work in your day, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. So guess what he's saying? Because you despise it, what I have done, the ministers of God, they're going to declare it to you. But guess what? You're not going to believe it. 
And then it said, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them on the next Sabbath. And verse 43 said, now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day, they came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And they speak against those things which were spoken of by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, and they said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. But seeing you put it from you, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. So now I'm going to turn to the Gentiles. So the Jews didn't want it because it seemed to be contradictory to the law of Moses. But guess what? The law of Moses ended when Christ came. So he said, you have already judged yourselves that you are unworthy of everlasting life because you have rejected. You made excuses. I don't want that. Just give me the law. And you already know they didn't keep it. All right. Moving along from that. Okay. So then the next thing we're going to look at is Acts chapter 26, verse 22 and verse 29. Acts chapter 26, because it said you got to persuade men, and I really like this. So in Acts chapter 22, this is Paul. He's before Agrippa and, and, and Festus, I think. Acts chapter 22, no, 26, I'm sorry. Let me find it. Acts chapter 26, and we're going to look at verse... Um, 22 through 29. It says, having therefore obtained help of God, this is, this is Paul, well, verse 21 said, for these cause the Jews caught me in the temple, Paul is saying, and they went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, I'm witnessing both to the small and to the great, and I'm saying none other things than that which the prophets and Moses did say that should come. That Christ should suffer, he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as they thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you beside yourself. Much learning that made you mad. And verse 25 said, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the word of truth and soberness for the thing for the king come out Agrippa knoweth these things before whom also I speak freely for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him for this thing was not done in a corner when they crucified Christ it wasn't in no corner it wasn't hid well we don't want to tell nobody what we're doing no he was crucified openly and publicly so he said, this thing wasn't hid in a corner. He said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophet? Because he was a Jew. He said, now I know you believe the prophets. I know you believe. And then King Agrippa, then he said to Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. You're talking about Christ died and rose from the dead. You almost persuade me. Well, that's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to compel you. 
It's supposed to persuade you. And we should always be pleading because that's what pleading is, to compel and to persuade people to turn to the Lord. But because he was king, you almost persuaded me. I almost believe what you're saying. And then he said, I don't want you to almost. <laughs> and Paul said, I would to God that you not only, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. In other words, persuaded, except being in these bonds. So guess what? Paul was fully persuaded that what God had said, he had already performed. And when he preached, that's what he's preaching. And when we preach to people, that's what we're telling them, what God has already done. How he gave his son to give his life on the cross. The Bible said he made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he gave Christ to die. When he died on the cross, guess what he did? When he died on the cross, he put us in him. And when, we was and when Christ was raised from the dead, he raised us up also. Spiritually, we are risen together with Christ. We have been made alive. We have been made alive. Now, I know you want to tell people that because the Bible said, for in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. You want people to know that God has already made them alive, but they still walking dead. Let me say that again. We want everybody to know that God has already reconciled them and made them alive because right now they could be just walking dead. That means they walking after the flesh. They walking dead. They walking not knowing that God has already reconciled them. They don't even know all of the blessings that God has laid up in store for them because they have not yet believed it. They have not yet received it. So we have something that we can do, right? We can tell them. Now, most of us got good volume. We love to talk. So use your talking voice to tell somebody they've already been reconciled so that they can receive what you're enjoying. Let them enjoy the grace life like you're enjoying the grace life. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Are you enjoying the grace life? Yes. Knowing that you're already forgiven? Knowing that there is no condemnation, nobody can say anything that's going to condemn you. Knowing that God has given you the power to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. That's the grace life. All right. So then the next thing. So how do we do this? By declaring what God has done. So 2 Corinthians 5.19 said, To wit, God was in Christ, and he was reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, he was no longer counting people's sin against them. Now, you may see people and say, oh, God, look at them. Look how they're living. But how are you going to tell them what, that God has already reconciled them and that God is not counting their sin against them? God's not counting that against you. He's already forgiven that of you. But once you receive it, you're going to stop doing that. That's all I can say on that. The power of God will keep you. All right. So it says that he's not imputing or counting people's sin against them. And he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The NLT said 
he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation, which is restoration. Now, David said, and it's recorded in Romans chapter 4 and verse 6 through verse 8, he said, even as David described it, the blessedness of the man to whom God will not impute sin. Saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. No, I, I read that wrong. Even as David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God, he, God does impute righteousness without works. See, in the law, you had to work to be righteous, so to speak. But God, because he has reconciled you, he now put righteousness on your account. And you ain't did no work. All you had to do is believe. Somebody said, just believe and receive. That's all you got to do. All right. So then the next thing he said, he said, now, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. That means whose record the Lord has already cleared. There is nothing on your record. Don't believe the lies. Oh, you're just an old sinner. You're not a sinner. In, in Adam, you sin because all die. But in Christ, God has already made you alive. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But the key is that they're not in Adam. They're already in Christ. They just don't know it. You, you know what? I, I thought about, um, uh, I saw this commercial. I thought it was kind of funny, but when you look at it, she should have did better. This woman's husband, he wore glasses. But his glasses was up here. And he said, honey, you seen my glasses? <laughs> she looked up and she said, mm, they around here somewhere. <laughs> now, she could have did better. Because if my husband had his glasses up there, and he said, you see my glasses? Mm, around the top of your head. Put them on. So what I'm saying, you got to learn to tell people the truth. So you got to tell people the truth. God has already reconciled you. He's already forgiven all sin. There's no sin on your account. You know, the Bible said in Romans 6.23, said that the wages of sin is death. So you were under the bondage of sin, and you were under the judgment of death. But, but it said, but, but the gift of God is eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Tell them the truth. Tell the people there's a but. Stop listening to all the things. Well, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. You're dead. you all this. No, I'm not. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But, you know, I still do. I have been made, no matter what they say. Well, you know, you, I have been made. See, because I know what I believe in my heart. I have been made. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Why, why, why can you be so bold and say that? Because that's what the words say. And I'm going to agree with it. Come on, say, I agree with the word. I'm in Christ. I'm in life. And that's what you got to understand. Don't let other people be in Christ and they don't know it. Walking in darkness. Tell them the truth. Come on, say, I will. Tell them the truth. All right. So then the next thing it says, 
God said in Isaiah 43 and 25, he said, I, even I, am he that blotted out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. Well, the only way he didn't remember the sin is because Christ forgave the sin. His blood washed away the sin. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, said, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God had already, from the time when Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God already said that the woman would bring forth the son and that the serpent was going to bruise his head, but he was going to bruise his head. God already knew that he was going to bring his son into the world and going to have him to die on the cross for your sin. As a matter of fact, when John the Baptist was preaching, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He taketh away. In 1 John 2 and 2 said, Jesus Christ, he is our perpetuation. He's our atoning sacrifice. He take away the sin, not only our sin, but the sin of the whole world. He made the, he was the sacrifice. Say, tell people the truth. Now, so let me, how many minutes I got? Mm-hmm. Because I only got three minutes. Huh? I got eight minutes. Okay, so maybe I can do this real. Eight. Okay, okay so I'm going to say it like this here. When God reconciled us, he blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1 and 3. Not only that, Romans 8, 32 said, For he spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. So how shall he not with him freely, somebody say freely, give us all things? Don't you want to tell somebody that God has freely given them all things? Come on, say, I will tell them. Amen. Don't keep people in the dark. All right. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ. That means he made us alive with Christ. And then it says, for by, even when we were, oh yeah, he made us alive with Christ, for by grace, God restored his grace unto us. For by grace are you saved. It's not on your own works. He saved us by grace, by what Christ did on the cross. All right. So you know what? I'm not going to go through all of that because I got a couple more things I want to tell you. So the one other thing is that he, when he reconciled us, he restored us to friendship. So Romans 5 and 1 said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 711, the Bible said God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. But guess what? He's not angry no more. Because the blood of Christ already appeased that anger. God is no longer anger with you. Come on, say God is not angry with you. All right. So then the next thing, it means to completely change, to change from enmity to friendship. So Jesus said when he was on the mount, he taught about a brother being angry with a brother without a cause. So in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, it said, You have heard that it was said in old times that thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill will be in danger of the judgment. 
And then he said, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, say angry without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And, who, and whosoever shall say to the brother, Raka. Now let me tell you, Raka means you empty-headed idiot. Now in the Old Testament, you couldn't tell nobody it was an empty-headed idiot. But today we can say that all day long and they say, oh, that's not freedom of speech. Times have changed. But anyway, it said, if you told your brother you were an empty-headed idiot, you would be in danger to go before the court. But, he, but whosoever says, say you're a fool, in other words, you're stupid and you lack wisdom, it said, you shall be in danger of hell's fire. It said, thank God for grace. Because y'all know we call folks some things like that. But anyway, in 523, he said, but therefore, when you bring your gift to the altar, now he's showing you how you're going to get it right with your brother. He said, when you bring your altar to the gift, when you bring your gift to the altar, and while you're there, you remember that you got ought against your brother. Well, how many know the Holy Ghost reminds us when we got ought? He said, and you remember that you got ought against your brother. And that ought means anything that's resulting from a false division. When somebody lied to him, what they told him wasn't true. So he's mad with you. So he's mad with you without a cause. It says, leave, you leave there your gift before the altar. You go your way and be first reconciled, be restored, and show goodwill toward your brother. And then you come and you offer your gift to God. I'm moving right along. The next one said, you got to be able to uh, reconcile means to settle and resolve differences. So this is a lot, so I'm not going to do all of this. But the differences that reconciliation was was between the Jew and the Gentile. And so the way God did it was that he united them in one body. So in Galatians 3.28, he said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. How many are we? One. We are one in Christ. When you know you're one, you're not saying, well, I'm over them. No, he said, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you're one. That solved the problem there. Oh, you mean so they're no better than we are? No better. You're one and you're in Christ and you're both blessed. All right. So then 1 Corinthians 12, 13 said, for by one spirit are we all baptized into that one body, whether you be Jew or Gentile whether you be bond or free, and you've all been made to drink into one spirit. How many spirit? One, one spirit. <clears throat> the next thing he said <clears throat> is that he broke down that middle wall of partition. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, he said, For he, meaning Christ, he is our peace, who has made both Jew and Gentile one, and has broken down the middle partition between us. He abolished the enmity or the hatred and therefore he made peace. So and the, the Bible said he did it in Colossians 2.14 because he blotted out the handwriting of ordinance. All of the ordinance that they was keeping that was separating them from one another. Alright. So let me move on to my next point. Now the next thing is this is my last point I want to say. To be reconciled is to be restored means that you got to accept and submit to something that is unpleasant. So what did Jesus have to accept and submit to? So in Matthew chapter 26, 
Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to look at verse 36. And it said, and then cometh Jesus unto them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he begins to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. So tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then it said he come to his disciples and guess what? He find them sleep. And he said unto them, what? Could you not watch with me just one hour? And he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in verse 42, he said, and he went away again the second time. And he prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And verse 44 said, and he left them. And he went away and he prayed the third time, saying the same things. And verse 2042 said, oh, my father, this is what he said, even the third time. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So he had to accept. And then he had to also submit to it. Because that's why he came. He said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Lo, I come to do your will, O God. What was God's will? For him to suffer, for him to die, so that you could have life. So that he could make you alive. So God could bring us back to be reconciled or restored to himself. So he had to submit to that. And Hebrews 5 and 7 said, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto God his Father, that he was able to save him from death. God was able to save him, but guess what? He was not. The Bible said he put him to, to shame. God said he put laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Christ had to be the one to die for our sins. You know, the only one. We could say, I, that should have been me. Your blood wouldn't did no good because you're from Adam. It had to be the spotless blood of the Lamb of God. And that's who Christ was. And then verse 8 in Hebrews 5. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So I'm going to say this to you. You may suffer shame. People may say, I don't want to hear that. Don't be telling me about I've been reconciled because God don't want me. Oh, yeah. He does. He's done everything for you. And you don't, you, you, the Bible said, I have not seen nor ear heard, hasn't even entered into the heart the things that God has prepared for them that love him. God got so many great and wonderful, marvelous things stored up for you. All you got to do is receive it. So I'm asking you today, you know God has already reconciled you to himself. You know God has already saved you. 
He's already sanctified you, already justified you. And so guess what? All you got to do is receive it. Are you ready to receive that? Amen. So I'm going to come to this camera. And I want you to say, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through verse 4, say, all I got to do is receive it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I, this is the Apostle Paul saying, that I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received is how that Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and the third day he was raised again from the dead. That's the gospel. And in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it said that when we hear the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and we believe it, then God seals us with the Holy Spirit of promise. I want you to know, God has already reconciled you to himself. Don't let nobody tell you that you're an old sinner. You are old sinner. No, you're not. Remember to tell them, I've been reconciled. I am a child of God. And you know what I didn't tell you? I didn't tell you that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creature. And guess what? One of the things that God wanted to do, he wanted to make you his temple. Because in Exodus 25, God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. But when he put us in Christ, we became the sanctuary. And guess what? He wants to live now in you. And if you're in Christ, he's already there. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.